Yo. Alright. Fuck yeah. Andrew, we're on. Finally. After uh, many failed attempts, we're on. You're welcome, man. What's up? How's it going, man? No, it's all good. good. Uh, it's good. It's good, man. How how are you doing with uh, restrictions and the corona situation and all that shit? Uh, I mean, in America, everyone just kind of thinks it's fake and there's not very many restrictions in place, honestly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's not fake, but people, you know. Yeah, people believe it. People believe it's fake, so yeah, it's... Uh... Yeah, it is what it is, right? You just yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What can you say, right? So So uh yeah, talk a little bit a bit about like your jiu jitsu history and stuff like how did you like getting started with this uh with this stuff and like uh the crazy uh things that happens in Daisy Fresh, man? How did you start up? Okay, so I started training uh judo when I was 13. Uh, my mom lived in Hawaii, and she had joint custody, so me and my little brother would like have to go to Hawaii in the summers, which is it sounds awesome, but we we hated flying, so we didn't like want to do it at all. So we went out there the first year, and uh, I was kind of having trouble with some of the kids in my class because we had just moved to Michigan, and we moved to a really isolated area in Michigan, and most of the kids there had never even like seen a black person before, and our sister's black, and they just uh, the culture clash between moving from like Los Angeles to middle of nowhere island was so big that you know, we, we didn't really get along with the kids we were like now growing up around so we were getting starting to have some problems uh i, I my mom got me into judo on uh the big island out in hawaii with a guy named hondo uh like a really really high level black belt but he was like 70 and i'm like oh man i could probably fuck this guy up and then he like he would show me a throw and just launch me as hard as he could and i'd be like oh man maybe not so yeah. then when i went back from hawaii to drummond island I got like my dad to find me like something I could keep doing there. And there was actually a guy teaching judo on the Island uh, in Michigan out of his uh, living room. His name was Mike Ogden. So I got with him uh, when I joined within like two or three months, a lot of the kids kind of like stopped coming to class and it was, it was a really small Island really like a lot of the kids weren't really interested, but I, I was obsessed with it. So for the next like four or five years, it was literally just like me and Mike Ogden uh, training every day or as, as often as we could. But, uh, he had trouble keeping other people interested in the sport. So yeah, a lot of times it would just be like me and him. And we had like, kind of like, it, it wasn't low level grappling. It was, it just wasn't uh, like, like, like really intricate jujitsu was refined. You know, mm, like, yeah. like, yeah, like if you're doing judo has submission setups and stuff, but they're, they're definitely not as advanced as like if you go to like a real jujitsu gym, you get setups like really good setups, and you learn like what the X guard is and De La Hiva and all this other stuff. So I didn't know what X guard or De La Hiva or Spider guard or like any, any of the more advanced technical guards was. I, I knew what like close guard was. Yeah, and had to do yeah. a triangle and armbar, uh, and I was really athletic. And uh, uh, the, the guy Mike worked with me as often as he could. He eventually encouraged me to like start doing these uh, like submission matches during cage fighting shows. I started doing those uh, when I was like 17. I got flying armbar in the first 10 seconds of my first match I've ever done in competition. No shit. <laughs> like my arm <laughs> broke off too. I got it, oh, I got it snapped off bad. I, I didn't tap because I had so much adrenaline. It wasn't hurting. And I spent the next two months with my arm like in a sling basically. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, so Fuck. then when I was like 18, there was the, the, the closest town to Drummond Island that has a Walmart is called Sault Ste. Marie. Okay, and it's uh it's about an hour drive. Plus, you have to take the ferry boat, so really you're committing like about two and a half or two hours at least to getting there. And there's a boxing gym there called Torque Boxing, and uh, they brought me and my coach at the time, Mike Ogden, in to help some of their guys get ready for MMA fights because there was a guy Heath Pedigo was in town promoting like a pretty big fight show. And when I went there with my coach, I just kind of came along. Uh, Mike or Heath was there, him and his friend Wild. And I ended up rolling with them and getting just the shit kicked out of me. And like at the time, it was just me and my coach that trained all the time, basically with just each other. And I, I was at the point where he couldn't really tap me out anymore. Like he could, he could, but not very often. You know, like I, I, I was starting to catch up to him a little bit. He, he's a little older. He had a lot of injuries and stuff. And yeah, I was yeah. really, Comes really with ambitious age. and like aggressive. You know? Yeah. So like uh, I hadn't really been tapped out in a while, and then Heath just tapped me over and over again, just brutally. I couldn't do anything. Uh, I remember one point he told me, hey, why don't you just start in north-south? And I'm like, yeah, fuck you. Yeah, I'm going to hold this little skinny bastard down. And then he uh, 
he like kicked over onto my back and put his hooks in and choked me. And I was like, God damn it. I think I suck. <laughs> so then, uh, two years later, I'm going to college in that town, Sault Ste. Marie. Cause I wasn't really, didn't want to go too far from the Island. Basically. Like I should have got way the fuck away, but I, I wanted to stay kind of close to my dad and stuff. And, uh, the guy from the boxing gym that I stayed friends with, that he was the, like the son of the guy that ran that boxing gym. He said, he stayed in touch with Heath really well. And then they, uh, he got a hold of me and said, Hey, he's asking about you. He wants to know if you want to move down to Mount Vernon and like live in a fight house and train full time. And I was like, uh, yes, <laughs> yes, I do. You, what are you at I, school like, at that time? College for, were you at school? That? Were you at school, uh, at that period of time? I was doing my second year of college. Uh, my first year I did like, you know, like the, like not so much liberal arts, but like just kind of like undecided, undeclared doing all my gen eds. Oh, okay. And my uh, sec- my yeah. second year of college, I ended up switching over to like athletic training and sports medicine because I figured it'd be like personally beneficial to me. I already I wanted to be in like the UFC and be a fighter and already do all that stuff. I was obsessed. I tried to try and people train with all the time. Yeah. Uh, so I just did it personally for myself. I didn't want to be like an athletic trainer. I just wanted to know more about how to train properly. Yeah. So uh, I talked to Heath on the phone for about fifteen minutes, and he gave me the the best sales pitch I've ever had. He said, Andrew. I don't want to hurt your feelings, uh, but listen, you you kind of fucking suck at jujitsu, uh, you know. Like, oh, that's fair. You know, you tap me out like fifty times. You know, he's like, you know, I'm like, listen, you train really hard. You're you're really athletic, and you you clearly are trying as hard as you can. But I, I bet you, no one's shown you anything in a couple of years. No one up there can tap you out. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. And he said, look, here's what I want you to do. I'm gonna I'm gonna put a, a house together, and we're gonna move a bunch of guys in there. You guys are all going to be full-time athletes, full-time fighters. You know, you guys train twice a day, every day. That's going to be what you focus on. But listen, it, if you want the opportunity to move in the house, you got you to do this for me. You got to give me 100% everything you have for a year. Okay. So that means not staying up till four in the morning, not going out, talking to girls, trying to party. I want you to give me everything you've got in the room, dedicate your, dedicate yourself to it as hard as you can. And then if after a year you're not successful, or you just don't think it's for you, then you can quit and move on with your life and try to do something different knowing that you at least tried. And I was like, I think I just lost my uh, video, but I was like, yeah, dude, that sounds perfect. I'll be there on Monday. And it was like Friday. Yeah. So I told my dad, like I went back to the island. I told my dad, hey, I'm going to move to Illinois. <laughs> and, uh, I'm going to live in a gym full time and be a full time fighter. And my what dad did he say like, then? You're what? <laughs> you know, like, uh, all right. He, he kind of told me I was stupid. Uh, he introduced me to the term starving artist, which I hadn't really been familiar with up until that point in my life. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So, uh, I just packed all my shit. I, I literally just packed it all in a car and I drove like 13 hours down. I showed up at the gym in Mount Vernon. Uh, no one knew, no one thought I was coming ever. Like I told Heath I was coming, but you could tell it was like the kind of place where like everyone says they're going to do it and no one shows up Yeah, and I yeah, showed yeah. Up as they were ending training and I walked in and everyone had those owl eyes like, Oh fuck, he's actually here. What do we do? Yeah. Uh, so then, uh, there was no house. They hadn't, they hadn't got that far yet. We've never gotten that far yet. Still, <laughs> you know, I just, uh, it was just me sleeping in the gym on a couch and on the mats and shit. So, uh, I still don't regret the decision. It was the best decision I ever made in my life. I got to do my lifelong dream had always been to like live in a gym and train full time. When I, like, since the age of 13 to 20, that's all I wanted to do. I just wanted to train all the time. I didn't want to do anything else. I was always struggling to find people to train with, and I got the opportunity to live in a gym and do it and be moderately successful. So, Yeah, you also tricked your brother into it, you know? You uh, you lied to him, uh, didn't you? I did. I did actually <laughs> kind of trick him a little bit. Yeah. So the thing with Bird is uh, I would – like you know, like when I was a really small kid, like five to ten, I was obsessed with like like fighting and Dragon Ball Z and like like animes and you know just like the the concept of fighting was always just like fascinating to me. And I was trying to get I'm like Bird, let's fucking train, let's just like fight each other. And Bird was like, no. <laughs> Bird's always been a little bit smaller than me, and he's a little younger than me. He's like three years younger than me. So what would happen is I, I would just kind of kick the shit out of him, and he wouldn't like it. Okay, especially like before I started training, and then uh. I tried to get Bird to train with me and Mike in Michigan, and he came a couple times, and he, he just didn't—he just didn't like it, man. He, just, he his his personality wasn't really tempered to it at that time. And what would happen is our mom would tell him, "Oh, honey, it's okay. Listen, you're not the fighter; you're a lover, not a fighter." <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, that's a good one. 
because he was supposed to be the more magically powerful healer of the two of us. You know, I mean, I was supposed to be the the warrior that protected everyone, and Bird was supposed to be the healer. <laughs> so, uh, so he just used to, he used to. I'd be like, Bird, Oof. come on, come to class, and he'd be like, No, I'm a lover, not a fighter. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, he doesn't like that I tell people about that. By the way, it piss- it really bothers him. I don't uh, give a fuck. He, he still can't beat me up. So. I'm not. Go- I, <laughs> I'm not. Go- uh, I'm not judging. So yeah, no worries. Uh, so when I when I tried to get Bird to move down to Mount Vernon, uh, the contrast for me, like when I first moved down to Mount Vernon, uh, everyone in the gym was really really smart. At the, like it was uh, so, going from like being in the middle of nowhere in northern Michigan, one mile from Canada, isolated rural to like I think jujitsu just kind of attracts intellectuals a little more than maybe other sports do. You know what I mean, because there's so much complexity involved in jujitsu technique and the sport and stuff. So like a lot of the people were incredibly smart and they're the people I, I really want to get along with and I liked everyone so much. I'm like, Bird, listen, you need to come down. Yeah. And just 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 try it out. You know what I mean? Like you're going to like these people so much. We, we hated most of the people in Michigan, man. We just did not get along. We're not on the same wavelength whatsoever. Oh yeah. So, yeah. but bird didn't want to fight. But still, he was a lover, not a fighter in his head. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I was like, bird, listen, there's girls. <laughs> you know? Cause Drummond Island and uh, detour village was, which is where the mainland was that everyone went to school was so small that my graduating class, I think was like 14, but two of them were foreign exchange students. Yeah, you know what I mean. So it's it's tiny. So like, there's only so many girls for you to even like possibly date. You know what I mean? So I'm like, bird, listen. Like I was at the, when I first moved down, I was 20, and my teammate Brandon Karcher would like take me to these parties he was throwing at his house. And I I've never been a party person. I never really drank or smoked or done anything like that in my entire life. Yeah. And suddenly I'm like introduced to people all over the place. And they, they actually they told him I was from Canada when I first moved down. So I like tried to use a Canadian accent for like the first two months to talk to girls, uh, uh, which worked, worked, by the way. It worked. <laughs> yeah, it did work. <laughs> Fuck, yeah. That's a good uh, one. That's a good one. So I, I just kept telling Brad, I'm like, man, you listen, you're going to like it so much. You don't even, have to, don't even focus on training. Just come down, you know, and, and meet everyone. And so I finally got him to come down. He was 17. He was, go- he was between his junior and senior year. Like he had that summer break. And I brought him down. He, he he had a great time, but there were no girls though. Because as soon as he came down, Brandon Karcher was like, "Oh, I'm not going to throw parties anymore. I think I need to get my life together." And Bird's like, "God damn it!" <laughs> so, so then, uh, what happened? But he did end up liking jujitsu though a little bit, a little bit. Uh, mostly, I think he liked the fact that he wasn't an island anymore. He wasn't up in Michigan. He didn't have to hate everyone that was around him and stuff. So Bird actually ended up talking to the principal of Michigan and telling her, uh, "Look, I want to finish my." high school degree online through the school system up here. I don't want to get a GED. And she gave him a little laptop and a little like Wi-Fi device and Bird finished his senior year of high school living in the gym in Mount Vernon. Oh, not bad. No. He, <laughs> so it, 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 it worked for him, no? Yeah. Uh, well, I guess it worked out for him. He doesn't have to work at like Circle K or something, you know? And he's, he's won the Worlds at Blue Belt and uh, he's had a pretty successful run in a lot of tournaments. Uh, I don't think he's as obsessed with it as I am still, even to this day. I think maybe I drag him along a little bit, but he is good. He does like it. Ah, yeah, that's the most important part. You know, you got to enjoy the ride. So, so uh, yeah, how do you, like, end up building your um, your box outside the gym? So, me and Bird lived in the gym for, I think we're coming close to eight and a half years now. Oh, shit. Okay. We've lived in three different buildings with the Mount Vernon gyms. Uh, the first one is really, really, really small. The second one was incredibly nice, but we only had that for two years. And then the building got sold out from under us. And the third one is the Daisy Fresh Laundromat that everyone is very familiar with now. Yeah. And me and Bert have been the, the, the consistent people in the gym. We've never left the gym, basically. Like, uh, it's us. Other people leave the gym. We've had lots of people move in, lots of people move out people come and go a lot you know what i mean um, yeah there's a point though like the, so there there are obviously minor inconveniences from living in the gym you know what i mean like like there's people constantly making noise and staying up like talking or listening to music or what like coming in and out there's just constantly little inconveniences from living in the gym like li- literally living in the building but i i personally can't leave the gym i'm, I'm so fucking bipolar 
and it's it's not really something I can control. I've tried all kinds of stuff to do it to keep yeah. it managed, but if I leave the gym and get away from the atmosphere, I'm going to lose my mind. So I have to be around it. I have to be like in that environment all the time. But I wanted to have some pri- fucking privacy, you know, uh, yeah. because we used to like have to put our beds away every day before class. We'd have to, man, I'm having bad luck with this phone. Um, like every day we have to put our beds away before cl- people show up. Uh, we can't literally leave our computers out and me and Bird, we really genuinely like our computers, you know what I mean? Like, so I ended up, uh, me and Bird both got the stimulus check when the coronavirus stuff was really, really bad at the start. And we decided, let's not waste this on orange chicken. Let's invest this. Let's yeah. build a house. <laughs> you know? Did Bird build so we, a house for himself too? Yeah. So we, we just built it, man. It took us one day to build like the, the whole foundation, the first four walls and to like put the roof on top and stuff. It took us one day. Uh, we just ordered the lumber. George kind of told us how to build walls properly. And my, like my dad's an automotive engineer and he's been an engineer for like 27 years. So like I, I knew a little bit about stuff and you know, me and Bert are physically capable of lifting and moving things around. So we were able to put it together. Um, we, we could have designed it a little better. We constantly, every time it rains, We uh, deal with a little minor flooding to moderate severe flooding, depending on how well we have the roof tiles positioned. Oh, yeah. But it's still better than being – like I have my own privacy. I, I can leave my bed out all the time. And like that's just the comfort thing. <laughs> it's so nice. Yeah. Yeah. Did did Bird build a house too or just you? So, so Bird's in the gym still right now because we keep thinking we're going to end up getting a new building. Like every time we talk about building a second box – Uh, we hear like Alejandro or Heath or someone being like, yeah, man, we're looking at this building over here across town. We think we might get this and move the gym over there. And we're like, fuck yeah, anything's got to be better than the Daisy Fresh Laundromat. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we'll just wait and not spend like $600 building the box. And then it kind of just doesn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> we're still in the goddamn laundromat. Yeah. Um, so we still don't, we're, we're <coughs> indecisive. We don't want to waste all our time and money building the box, like a second box. But at the same time, like I don't want Bird to be uncomfortable, like, After living in the gym for eight years, he deserves to have a nice little box for himself. Yeah, definitely. I agree. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Everyone needs a box, right? So, uh... so okay, the, the, the term need is used so loosely. Like, we don't have a shower in the gym. Everyone's like, oh, I need to have a shower. No, you don't, motherfucker. You're just spoiled. <laughs> like, uh, we don't have a kitchen, you know. Like, we, don't, we, we just don't have all the amenities that you're used to living with when you, like, have a normal house. And at first, that's kind of daunting. I remember when Bird, when I first told Bird to come down, he was like, well, is there a shower there? And I was like, don't, don't worry about that, man. You can just go take showers at everyone's houses and stuff, because that's what we do. We just go to the people's houses yeah, that are yeah. like close to the gym and take a shower. And we, you know, we never used to have a car and stuff, so we just like walk over there and ride a bike or something. Yeah. And uh, I remember when Bird at first, was, it was such a big priority for me. He's like, I have to have a shower. Eight years later, I don't remember the last time the motherfucker took a shower. <laughs> like, it's not a... <laughs> <laughs> No, no, no. <laughs> you know, it's uh, just the, the the little things that people are used to in real life. You you can absolutely learn to live without to the point where you just don't even think about them anymore. Yeah, you know, it it, it is like a habit. You know, it's uh, you, you you're uh, you're like very com you you like being very comfortable and you like very used to being very comfortable. So when that's like taken away from you, it's like very uh, you're not used to it. You're not used to being un- uncomfortable. So many people no, are so like the first, the first year and a half that we had the Daisy Fresh laundromat. We did not have a refrigerator, by the way. Oh shit! <laughs> no, there wasn't even a fridge, so it was like meal to meal. You know what I mean? We just we seriously have lived on ramen for so much of our adult life. It is disgusting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, did you do? Do, <clears throat> do you guys have like a shower in the, the Daisy Fresh now, or is it uh, still showerless? We don't have a shower. Okay, well, we have a, a little. Okay, you could call it a shower. So the guy's got a backpack that hangs from a little hook outside and sprinkles water down onto you. You like fill it up in the sink with a little hose. Yeah. So uh, the guys take showers with that. They just like put it around the back of the building so no one sees them naked. Even though no one gives a fuck about being naked at our gym, it's fucking weird. I'll look over and they'll just be like taking their dick out for no reason. <laughs> I'm like, God. <laughs> 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 you know? Uh, oh, so it's like no the, the the contrast between our gym and like a regular like gracie baja is huge <laughs> yeah it's not <laughs> you like you go from like bowing on the mat to suddenly the, you know 
little Jacob's naked over there, just changing in the middle of the mat. And you're just like, God damn, fuck, there's children around, man. Like, yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because like you, you couldn't do that at the Gracie Baja gym. You couldn't do that. You know, they were like very, very fucking strict. You know, every, everything has to be like very correct. So, oh, dude, I, I, <laughs> no, I don't like it. Like all the, the structure and culture of like the BJJ culture, uh, like, like bowing on and off the mat, I think is fucking retarded. It's, it's I understand what are you respecting you know like bowing to Helio that's culty uh, doing the one two three clap thing that's just like impressioning people you know it's like I don't like any of that stuff you yeah know, I, you know like it's not my thing either you know if we're at a train we don't do that either we don't bow or we don't like clap or nothing we, we don't do that shit so you want to be able to just roll and get it in and everyone wants to get better and everyone's cool and friendly and like pretty relaxed and that's the environment I like like when I teach class uh at other gyms like I, i've been getting invited to go, go to other gyms like teach a class here and there teach a seminar here and there and everyone's kind of shocked that i just like don't give a fuck and i swear the whole time and i just because that's how you should be everyone's here to you know like everyone's a regular adult that pays to teach to like learn jujitsu they shouldn't have to bow to you and shit they're paying you money to be there and like yeah true many of the men of the black belts are like they they uh they're like uh expects you to like worship them and like uh like um <clears throat> wash the ground they're walking on and stuff like that so it's yeah so i've actually never had that mentality because when i joined psf heath had literally just gotten his purple belt so he was like a blue belt that just got his purple belt yeah and my first like three months in the gym i went to st louis and tapped out a whole bunch of black belts in st louis as a white belt because they uh, I was very. I would like. I would like throw their legs to the side and then jump into arm bars as hard as I fucking could, and they couldn't get away. And I was like, oh man, the belt system fucking clearly doesn't mean anything. And Heath encouraged that mentality. Uh, the belt system tricks people into going lighter with higher belts. Yeah. And like, oh, you got to respect the black belt. Don't go after them. And I'm like, no, nah, man. If I go with Leandro Lowe, he's. If I go at his fucking pace, he's gonna maul me. But if I fucking get a chance to throw his legs to the side and jump on an arm bar. That's the only chance I have. Yeah, you know, definitely. Like, so it's like I've never had the respect for the belt, and our like our our gym and our affiliation has zero respect for the belt. And I, I don't mean like if a fifty year old black belt comes in, don't you know? Don't that doesn't mean to be a dick to him and like literally don't listen to him. But you know, like if a if an athletic twenty six year old black belt comes in and wants to roll hard, fucking roll hard with him. Mm -hmm. You know, like go after him as hard as you can because. Like for me, I I don't have as much fun if you're not trying your hardest. It makes the win not as fun. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I want you to struggle. You know? It's not as satisfying, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, our culture is definitely very different from like a normal jujitsu culture, and I wasn't even aware of that for like the first four years until I got to like I was winning the worlds and opens at like blue belt, and then I was starting to like go to different gyms to train and realize how different the atmosphere was and how. I did not fit in with like normal jiu-jitsu people, you know. Yeah, I understand. So, uh, how was the culture in in your first gym? You know, when you trained with the judo girl, how how was that compared to like oh, the, the, the PSF? The, the, there was no structure at all. It was uh, he, he, uh, the guy Mike Ogden that I used to train with all the time. He was he's just a super chill guy. He's like a no uh, bowing. He worked. He, he worked on the ferry boat on the island. So like the island I lived on, Drummond Island, you have to take a ferry boat to get back and forth across and he worked on the ferry boat and yeah. he's very into like hunting and wildlife he's got a giant beard now and shit oh sure uh, he's like a mountain man so but there was no there was no structure or cultural structure you know there was no bowing to get on and off the mat you know he's just a cool guy you could talk to and he's just uh looking back thinking about like how much time he dedicated to like investing into me as like a kid because he like he still actually supports me he like He's came out a couple times to train with me now that I'm like actually good at, at PSF. You know what I mean? Like he's came down to some seminars I've taught. He's came down to train. Uh, he he always is sending me messages about, hey, congratulations on your win, man. I'm so excited that you're doing so good. I always knew you were going to be able to do this. Like he, he's basically my biggest supporter. And if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be able to do what I did because like, you know, he, he just – like there would be times for months or years at a time when it would literally just be me and him showing up twice a week to train with just each other. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Like, uh, no, but no, no bowing or anything like that. I just have yeah. never grown up with that. Yeah, because in the PSF, you don't do like the bowing and stuff. It's like Heath is not into that, right? No, not at all. Uh, uh, 
I just think it's better that way. It, yeah. it, I think the bowing and stuff like that is a money and like hierarchy thing a little bit. You know, like the the black belts expect you to worship them at other gyms, and yeah. the rigid structure is designed to incentivize people to stick with it a little bit, make it a little easier for like newer people to come in. And yeah. uh, but our gym doesn't give a fuck about making money whatsoever. I I can't even think of a time when the gym has actually made money. In the whole time I've lived there, because Heath only charges fifty dollars a month. Oh shit! And a lot of people don't like for the most of the time I've been there, they just didn't even pay. You know what I mean? Like, and Heath Heath wants to be everyone's friend. He doesn't really care about making a lot of money either. Like, I don't care about making a lot of money either because yeah. of Heath. Probably, you know, it's just not a priority for us. We want good jujitsu and good people. Yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah, totally get that. You know, that's that's like good values to have. You know, because. Uh, That's the most important thing, you know, to have like uh, you come there and get good jujitsu. You know, you don't need to do the extra stuff like bowing and like, oh, thank you so much for the great training and all that shit. And but be like, be, be, be. <laughs> Obrigado, profe. yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, all that, all that shit, like being a dick rider or stuff like that. You know, it's uh, I don't like that being like dick no, riding like the coach either. and stuff. I fucking hate that. It's uh, it's unnecessary. You know, you don't need to uh, dick ride somebody to be their friend. So, it's totally unnecessary for my part. I don't like it. So, so. I think that's the difference between our gym and a lot of other gyms, though, is our guys are actually friends. Like, everyone has at, – at every gym – I've been to gyms all over the country now. Like, I've gotten to travel a lot, and uh, Heath, like, rents me out to gyms for, like, a week or two. He doesn't tell me I'm going, and he's like, hey, listen, you're – like, uh, like two days before, he's like, hey, I'm going to send you over to this uh, Gracie Baja in California for a couple weeks. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, like, just to get up – to get to go out and experience more and like network and, and learn techniques and just, just, you know, just get to train with people all over the place. And the atmosphere is so different at other gyms. Uh, but a lot of them, like they're, they're friends, you know, they're friendly in the gym, but you don't hear anything about them hanging out outside the gym. No one knows what's going on in everyone else's lives. Yeah. You know, they're, so they're, they're friends, but they're not genuine friends. Like the people that really care about each other outside of the gym. And our, our gym does have that, honestly. It, it sounds like like I'm just saying that, but like everyone is – like we all went to our – like anytime someone's getting married, everyone shows up. Anytime someone has something going on in their lives that's not even jiu-jitsu related, they get like the whole gym support. And it's just it, – it genuinely is a little different than a lot of gyms. In the country. I'm sure there are other gyms that have that atmosphere, but it's just not common. Yeah, yeah. Many people say they're like, we don't build teams, we build family and stuff. You heard that before, yeah, right? Yeah, the family thing. But yeah, like, yeah, yeah. What's his middle name? Yeah. <laughs> like they don't yeah. know anything about the other people. Yeah, no, they they don't know shit. You know, they they don't know. Maybe there's some people who hangs around that who hangs around from the gym, but it's not like a big like a big like clique to hang together. You know, not like you guys. You know, it's like it's different. You know, they say they hang around, but they they only hang around when they train, right? Not like so much personal. Some guys do, but some some guys does not, right? So. Exactly. So it's uh yeah you know they say build teams family blah 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 but do you really do that or just saying that to just to like uh, get getting a sales trick or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I think a lot of it's marketing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe that too. You know, a lot of that shit is marketing and stuff. So yeah. Uh, you also had like a good, uh, good uh, streak at brown belt before you got your black. Oh yeah, that was uh, that was very fortunate. <laughs> yeah, how so? Uh, well, I, I I mentally trick myself all the time into thinking that I suck. You know what I mean? Like uh, I have about two, uh, a week after I win a major tournament to be like, oh man, maybe I am actually fucking good. You know what I mean? Like if I won the world when I won the world at brown belt, I had about a week, and I'm like, man, I'm actually fucking kind of good at this you know yeah and then like two weeks later i, I look back i'm like man i kind of fucking suck <laughs> you know? uh it's just it's just the way my mind works my bipolar is so uh so bad and i don't really want to take serious medication for it that i just i, I seriously bounce all over the place and like people that don't really know me have trouble seeing it but it's, it happens all the time yeah uh, but no i remember uh i had a i had a decent run at purple i got second to Kanyan duarte three tournaments in a row in the finals so i had three majors i i got second to him at the nogi worlds my first run through and then the pan the pans in the finals and then the, the gi worlds in the finals mm -hmm. and then he got his brown belt and then i was able to win the <laughs> he got his brown belt and i was finally able to win the purple belt worlds uh so then i got my brown belt 
and I like had a good run at first, and then I got hurt really, really bad. Like I hurt my my back at purple belt, but then like had this this big string of injuries at brown belt that made me take about a year off of like competition. Not not a full year, and not completely off, but just to where I wasn't like really in that mode to train for the pains in the worlds. You know what I mean? So then I I, ended up, I basically made a big comeback in my head. I lost a ton of weight. I got down to one sixty seven, and I competed at middle belt or middleweight. So I didn't have to cut any weight at the Noki Pans, and I was in, in amazing shape. I was doing sprint drills three times a week, cardio all the time. I, I, it was, and I just beat the fuck at everyone. Oh and shit! I was able, to, was able to win the Nogi Worlds too for this, and that's when the Daisy Fresh stuff started happening, the the flow grappling stuff. Yeah. So like, that, that that was really cool. And then I got my black belt, and I'm like, oh man, what do I do now? <laughs> yeah. Have you like uh, have you competed in the gi since you got your black belt? Uh, I've done some stuff in the gi. Uh, so, like, I, uh, me, me and Bert, for, like, our jiu-jitsu career, have, like, always made our money and stuff, just, like, refing local Fujis and local tournaments and stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, me and Bert jump into those divisions all the time. If we're refing at a Fuji, we're like, hell yeah, we're going to do the fucking gi in the expert division and stuff, and we're just, like, go, <laughs> like, annihilate the locals. That's fun as fuck for us. You know? Yeah, yeah, why not? Uh, why not? But no, I haven't. Uh, so I was signed up for three tournaments at Black Belt in the Gi, uh, and then COVID shut everything down all at once. If you remember, like the very start of it. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, it fucking sucked. And, and then I just started canceling and refunding everything. So I was like, no, I haven't really gotten to make a, a Gi debut, honestly, in the Gi or Black Belt. Uh, my Noki's been doing okay, I guess. <laughs> One a few things, uh, but I, I do like both. I think the Gi is harder myself because the pressure that it takes is a little less good for my style which my, my ideal style is very fast-paced and not loose but i don't like when things get really staticky when you're locked down in some kind of guard and you have to like just pressure your way out i don't like that i like when there's movement you there's timing windows you can hit mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. totally get that so do you like uh i, I saw the interview with uh from uh the desi fresh uh, episode i remember i don't remember what it, which it was but uh Dante Leon said that uh, he's, um, you're the most aggressive passer he's ever trained with. Like when- I, uh, yeah, Don- so, so th- we've been a huge fan of Dante's. Uh, I remember I watched, when I was a white belt, I did IBGGF Chicago. It was my first IBGGF. And Dante was a blue belt, and he just, just completely mauled everyone in the blue belt and the open and stuff. And he made it look easy, too. He's just, like, lazily pulling guard and then baron bowling them and shit. And I was like, oh, man, that fucking guy is really good. And, like, up through the belts... Watching Dante is like the only non-Brazilian that would consistently kind of podium, and that's kind of like what I was doing. Like every time I would be on the podium at the Pains of the Worlds, I would be the only American on the podium. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, we're, we're all we're always huge fans of Dante's and what he did. He's a super super cool guy. And then uh, I got to train with him a couple times. Finally, I went up to his gym in Ohio, and then he came down to our gym a couple times. So it, yeah, it's just a uh, yeah. If I'm gonna go with someone like Dante. You know, he's really good. He's got experience on me. He's been doing it for longer than I have, and he's been competing at a higher level than I have. I'm going to go as hard as I fucking can because, yeah. like I said with Leandro Lowe, yeah. I'm not going to beat Leandro Lowe by going at Leandro Lowe's pace. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to push him until he gets outside of his comfort zone, and then I can maybe get something. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I go after Dante pretty hard. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's a super tough role, man. He's one of my favorite people. Yeah, so he's like uh, – is he bigger than you or smaller than you? We're actually the same size a little bit. Like both of us jump up and down between like 190 and 160. <laughs> oh, really? Uh, frame wise, we're very similar. I actually think I'm a little stronger than him, but the motherfucker can lift way more than I can. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you watch him lift weights and shit, I'm like, oh man, that is heavy. <laughs> yeah. uh, but when I roll with him, I feel like I can I can match him strength for strength. Yeah. But yeah, he he's amazing. He's he's a lot of fun to train with. He's really cool to watch compete. Yeah, he's uh, he's got exciting matches. He's not he's not in a boring match at all, you know. And I've seen that no. Heath uh, Heath also has uh, has coached him uh, a few times when he has competed, right? Yeah, we're just we're just good friends, man. Yeah. Uh, the the best part about doing jujitsu competitively and like training like traveling around and, and training all over the place is you get to meet cool people and you get to be friends with a lot of different people. Yeah. And we don't do affiliation stuff at all. There, like there, there's a PSF affiliation, but it's not like you would think of a traditional affiliate. Like we want you to train with everyone. Our gyms are just open for you. Anyone to come stop in and train for like two months at a time and then leave or like come in. We don't no, no, no one that I know of does any mat fees. You know what I mean? Like we just want to train with everyone, which yeah. is how I think it should be. 
Yeah, because many guys take a lot of math fees. You know, they charge ridiculously much money just to like uh, if you visit, they charge way too fucking much just to like just just because uh, you you want to train with them. It's like. Yeah, we don't we don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> I think that concept is fucking retarded. Yeah, it's really it is. Money gravity, and it's against the spirit of jujitsu and grappling that I came up with wanting to train with everyone all the time and being desperate to train with people. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah because like many school is like they charge way fucking too much and it's uh, yeah it's destroying like the sport. I can understand people that they need the money, but it's like. It's not necessary well, when a guy... The people charging it don't need the money, though. No, no, no. They don't really need it. They yeah, say they that... don't need it, really. They, so, no, it's just something it's they say. It's, a little bit. Yeah, but probably something they say is a sales pitch or whatever it is. You know, they just, like, charge too much. You know, I've been, I think I was in Uruguay in 2018. I trained at a local gym there. They didn't charge me shit. Uh, your your mic just completely went blank there. No, I I said um, I go. said I was in uh, Uruguay in twenty eighteen, and uh, I visited a gym there, and they uh, didn't charge me nothing. Yeah, that, that's that's how it should be, I think. Yeah, yeah, I agree. You know, it's just retarded, just like to charge someone, even if it's just a visitor. You know, it's just like let them train for free. You know, it's yeah. My favorite thing in the world is like having. Like, like training with new visitors and, and shit like that and just beating the fuck out of them. Why would I charge them for something that brings me so much joy? <laughs> yeah. And you can get a, and they can get a good role too. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's about good roles, really. But like, it's just, it's just a, it's, it's fun to roll with new people. It's, like, a, it's always your good. Stuff that you've worked so hard on that you like, that the people you train with are like pretty savvy to your moves and style so it gets harder and harder to hit the same move on them over and over again and then new people are just never ready for you to knee slice through them as as, as like as often as i try to do you know what i mean so like you, you can hit your a game on visitors much easier than you can hit them on your teammates yeah yeah they know what you're gonna do and they know the reaction and stuff visitors are different reactions and stuff like that so it's like yeah, yeah it's, it's like validation it's fun they have a good time and plus like i always if anyone ever asks me questions on the mats, I'm like, "Hey, what, what? Why are you able to do this to me? I, I, I love, I love to teach, in the sense that I, I like to teach people that want to learn." Yeah, you know. So, like, if someone's asking me a question, that's amazing because then I can actually answer the question and go into detail, and someone can nerd out with me on jujitsu as much as I nerd out on jujitsu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too, man. I, I love to ask questions, and when people ask me about how you do that, I'm like, "Yeah, sure. I'm, I'm going to show you." You know, it's. It's very fun, you know. I I also like love to, love to teach. So I'm I'm a purple belt. So it's uh, I've been teaching since I was a white belt. <laughs> <laughs> I can sympathize. You know. Yeah, I I had to. You know, we didn't have jiu-jitsu where I lived, so I had to, I I had to te- I I had to teach. So yeah, went out. That, to... That's exactly how I was in Michigan. Literally. Yeah. So I can. I... Uh, everyone I try to train with all the time, I would just be like, "Hey, listen, I'll I'll just show you stuff for two hours." You know what I mean, like. Like I, I had, I had more grappling knowledge than the people did up there because mm-hmm. of Mike. So then every single person I would roll with, I would, I would be showing stuff so that I could get better reactions for what I was doing. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I would like be desperate for training partners. So no, I completely sympathize. Yeah. So I, fuck, I heard, I remember like, uh, from the, from the Desi Fresh video, you, uh, you, you love to break people's grips, right? Yeah, don't grab me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stupid question, but a relevant question. <laughs> Since like, yeah, yeah, because like you, you practice that a lot because he told you like you got to break the fucking grip and then he's like, uh, you did it, you know, you like up up in the, in the night trying to break your brother's grip, wasn't it? Isn't that right? Yeah. So what, what it was, was all, all my training in Michigan was no gear. Yeah. And all my training, you know, so like all I did was no gear grappling basically before I moved down to Mount Vernon. And suddenly people are grabbing my collar, tying me up in lapel guards, putting me in fucking spider guard and shit and like put me in omoplatas and triangles. And I was like, man, this, this kind of sucks. I like, I miss Nogi, you know? Yeah. And then he's like, look, you're just not breaking the grips. That's it. Look, they're, they're, they're doing the collar drag to you because you're not breaking the grip. They're, they're breaking your posture down. You're not breaking the grip. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to break the grip until it's natural. And, uh, bird is the, willing but unwilling participant in most of my drills if it wasn't for having bird around to where he couldn't get away i I would not be as good as i am because some of the drills that i've made him do with me just they genuinely they suck for me to do but they also suck for someone to have done to them yeah so it's like it it, it's the, the way i look at training is you have to be a little bit selfish sometimes you know like if you're trying to be the best in the world you have to do drills that are just not pleasant for the other person to have done to them so it's like a 
you definitely have to be in that environment when you have access to people that will do shit with you like that. And I'm lucky that I have Bird to not really be able to escape. <laughs> Where the fuck is he going to go? He just didn't have a car. You know? like, he has no choice. So. But yeah, grip breaking, uh, if we're going to talk about like jujitsu concepts for a second. Yeah, sure. If you think about like approaching open guard. Yeah. Okay, if, I, if I'm if i the person that gets my grips first, let's say I get a grip in your pants, you can either grab me back or you can focus on repositioning mm-hmm. while I try to pass your guard. But I, like as you're reaching for my grips, I should move your pants out of the way and I should make you like, but basically I put you in check. Yeah. You have to either strip the grips or you have to like try to reposition while I keep my grips and then I get the first advantage and I can maybe snowball the match from there. Uh, it's the same thing. You know, if I if I let you grab me first, you know, you grab my collar when I'm trying to pass, grab my sleeves, uh, if I'm on my back, you grab my pants, whatever you grab. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's that's just gonna lead to a snowball type situation. So it's like you have basically so if you grab my collar, I have until you turn your hand to break the grip. Once you turn your hand over, uh, breaking the grip is possible. But what I'm doing is I'm um, giving up both of my hands, which need to be grabbing you back, and you can just like jerk me around and make me. You could force me to put my hands on certain stuff instead of breaking the grip anymore. So it's like I have to do it fast. I have like a small window when you're either while you're reaching or after you've just grabbed it before you've turned it to break the grip. So it's like that stuff like that. You have to drill a lot. It has to be automatic. It has to be background processing in your brain to where you're not actively thinking break the grip. You're still thinking of like your next grip for yourself to grab or your next pass to set up or just something yeah. else. I want my brain to be prioritizing other things that are more beneficial. Yeah. Know, so I try to like drill stuff until they become background processes. Like I remember I spent a whole month where I would just pass everyone in the class and I would put them in uh, side control and I would just shoulder pressure them as hard as I could for the entire round. You know, because I wanted my shoulder pressure to become an automatic process. Because like, I remember thinking like, I have to think about it when I was when I was like a white belt and like just got my. I had to think about putting shoulder pressure down, and when I'm thinking about putting my shoulder pressure down, I'm not thinking about how to advance the mount anymore, or how to set up a submission from side control. I need that to just be happening on its own, and I need my brain to be thinking about advancing my position. So mm-hmm. lots of drilling, and uh, like I said, bird. Both both of us have drilled shit until our fingertips have been bleeding, uh, until our our skin is like my, the grip breaking drills that I did specifically to get good at them. Like I, I literally ripped all the skin off the back of my neck to where I'd actually put duct tape on it and the skin off my ankles because stripping the grips and kicking out of grips there. Oh, sure. Uh, it, it can be brutal, but it's like a, a jiu-jitsu competition is a marathon. But if you want to win at the lower belts, you have to sprint the marathon. You can't like if I train light when I was a white belt until I'm a purple belt, I'm not going to win until I'm a purple belt. But I wanted to win at white, blue, purple, brown, and black because losing fucking sucks. <laughs> so. Yeah, I know. I've lost. A lot, like a lot. Fuck, I, I have lost more than I've won. But, you know... I mean, everyone loses. Yeah. Just, you want to minimize it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm trying to do. Minimize it, not losing too much. So uh, that I don't suck too much. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, it it is like very... Uh, but it's fun, though. It, it, it's a lot of fun, you know. Jiu-Jitsu is a lot of fun anyway. You know, losing or winning is a lot of fun, you know. Fun process. And it's fun, but it's grueling, you know. It tears on your body. You know that. He does. Uh, I've got the body of a forty-year-old man, and I'm twenty-eight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you do you feel it? Like, is there some places like you feel it like more than others, like the fingers or the back or like the legs or uh, the knees or something like that? Yeah. Let's let's run down my injury list real quick. All right. Uh, all all of my fingers are just like geriatric old man arthritis fingers because they've been broken and fucked up by the knuckles so many times from like playing aggressive key grips and spider guard and shit, shit like that. Uh. Both of my elbows have been put in arm bars to the point where they've been like, super hyperextended to where I just have like permanent tendonitis in my elbows. Oh, shit. Uh, both of my shoulders have had their rotator cuffs just mangled and my AC ligaments torn almost completely off on both of my shoulders. Uh, I've got a herniated disc in my upper neck. I've got a herniated disc in my L5-S1 lower back. Uh, I've had my knees pop multiple times. I've had my ankles fucked up multiple times. My toes have been broken multiple times. Uh, my ribs have popped like seven times in my career to where like you get a whole three weeks of where you just can't even move which you're still training anyways because you're a psychopath yeah. um it's just part of like yeah so as i'm getting a little bit older i'm starting to think okay train a little smarter instead of harder but my whole motto in, in my entire career has been train harder you know like i, I would just completely overtrain because like i said i don't want to fucking lose and in my head i'd be like 
okay, I just put in eight hours yesterday. I need to put in eight hours today because I just always imagined in my head this fucking Brazilian kid from the fucking like the flavela that has nothing, you know, and he's coming to America and this is his only hope to escape poverty. Yeah. And I have to beat that fucking kid. So I have to train harder or as hard as that kid without having as much genuine motivation as that kid has because like, I'm not like trying to escape the ghetto. You know what I mean? Like, so it's yeah. like you have to that, – that was my mentality. I was like every time I'd convince myself I'm training hard as fuck, I'd be like, okay, but what else can I do? And I would try to do more because just you know, losing sucks. And I, uh, I've had matches where I've beaten those kids – you know, like the, the kids that came over from Brazil, I've beaten them to fucking death. And I'm like, okay, I'm doing stuff right. And then I've also, I, I lost to like, uh, the fuck's his name? One of the GFT kid. Like, uh, GFT? The really, really good one. Fuck. Why am I not? Starts G- with an M. Uh, from, uh, from GFT or? Yeah, GFT. The really, really good one. Uh, starts with an M. Uh, not Canuto? No. Not Canuto. Um, uh, but I, I lost to one of the GFT guys when I was a blue belt, and Gu- I already won. Gut- Gutenberg. what? Gutenberg Pereira was it him? No, I, I, not not Gutenberg. It starts with an M, but he, he's M, one of the, uh. like he's, he's amazing. You know what I mean? I lost to him first round at the Worlds one time, and that was after I'd already won the Worlds and won the Pans at blue belt. And then because you had to be a blue belt for two years before the IBJJF would let you get your purple belt, yeah, I had won the Open. And my division at the Nogi Worlds, and the open in the division at my Nogi Pans, you know what I mean. So I was like the the kind of the king at blue belt, and I got complacent for one tournament. I was like, oh man, I can't lose. And I, I remember I didn't train as hard as I could. I didn't watch my weight as well as I could. And then I lost to him by an advantage first round of the Worlds, and I was like, okay, I can't let that happen again. You know. Yeah, yeah. Fuck, that sucks. You know, you uh, did you get your revenge then from him? You know. No, I have trained with him, man. He's a really cool guy. Uh, I haven't gone against him in a tournament again. Uh, I, I I like weirdly bounce around between lightweight and middleweight so it's like I could just not see those people for a year if I'm at medium heavy and then when I go to middle they go to medium heavy you know what I mean like we're all just like that frame where we can just go up or down and well mm. I shouldn't be going up ever but I, I do because orange chicken is amazing yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 I was supposed to ask you about that orange chicken how like uh, what's up with that you... it's a nectar of the gods <laughs> <laughs> I haven't ta- I, I haven't ta- <laughs> I haven't tasted it yet. I want to. I want to taste it. I've heard it's so good, much man. about it. I I, it's hard to describe how good it is. Uh, like I said, it, it's the, it's the source of all my power. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like uh, it's expensive though, so we don't get it very often, unfortunately. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, uh, if you get it too often, you will get tired of it. So it's like it's a good thing you know, not to eat it too often, isn't it? See, I, I've had people tell me that before, and that's that's probably just not true. All right. <laughs> so me, me and Bird, this, this is no joke, and I'm, I'm not trying to exaggerate this at all. I I can almost guarantee we are on the spectrum a little bit. We are fucking perfectly complacent to do the same thing every single day for years. We don't need to change anything. We don't like change. We don't like t- socializing a lot even. like We're just uh, – so, we're probably some mild form of Asperger's a little – like gen- genuinely – uh, like I said, we can play video games for like 70 hours straight, not see a single person for three weeks at a time and be completely fine. Uh, so like, no, I could eat orange chicken every meal, every day until I had a fucking heart attack and be happy. <laughs> or I'd be fat as fuck. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, you continue that. You're going to be like ultra heavy soon, right? Yeah, I don't want that. <laughs> I don't want that at all. I have trouble with medium heavy, man. They just, they're so much stronger than me. It feels like they're so much bigger than me. Yeah, yeah, they're like bigger guys, so uh, yeah, it is a problem. Yeah, I imagine you go uh, ultra heavy or super heavy or heavy for for that sake, you know, because well, of thank the. Thank you, sir. Be- <laughs> <laughs> uh, medium heavy is the biggest I'll ever compete at. If I ever get above medium heavy, I'm just gonna not eat food for a week. Yeah, no orange chicken for a week. No food at all. Oh I, shit! I just, uh, like when I told you I was a brown belt and I got really in a bad spot for a while. Yeah. Uh, I I got pretty. Up- pretty overweight i was dating a girl and she was uh uh buying me food all the time and it was, was kind of like a like a complacency thing on top of a depression and an injury thing and like i I ended up losing like 40 or 50 pounds in like two and a half months because i just stopped eating on the weekends and i would just barely eat during i wouldn't eat anything during the day ever and i would just eat one time at night so if i if i ever get too heavy i just know i can just literally stop eating and be okay <laughs> yeah 
just like eating small portions and just be careful, right? No, no, literally, I just won't eat. Oh shit! Yeah, that, no, that, just, that's just not good. <laughs> for like two hours. <laughs> I think I think it is actually good. I remember that's the fastest I've ever been able to move physically. Is when, like after like doing a forty-eight hour fast, you're just your fast twitch muscles are just working better. You know. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, what do you think of the Norwegian jiu-jitsu? The Norwegian jiu-jitsu? Yeah. Um, I don't really know a lot about it, honestly. Oh, really? Um, we got some no, good. I, we, we got some good guys like uh, competing at the worlds at the uh, at, at black belt. We got some. Uh, we got some good guys. No, I'm, I uh, I know I've gone against a couple of a couple of guys from Europe consistently. There's a. There's a guy named Haj that I was going against, that like blue, purple, and brown belt. I get him like first or second round. He came all the way over from like Germany, I think. Just a big, tall guy. And yeah. uh, I, I know the Europeans are always stronger than fuck. Everyone I go with them, they're way stronger than me. Yeah. <laughs> because they're just healthier people. You yeah. Know? It's a different vibe style uh, than uh, than uh, than uh, America, Europe. Is that's, bit, is that's probably true, and I think there's a little bit of different mentality too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because we have we have some like good guys here in uh, in Norway. Like, uh, was done very well. You know, took uh, second in the worlds, and uh, one guy took second in the worlds. The other guy took third place in the worlds at black belt adults. So it's like, yeah. And the other thing too is like we don't get to go against Europeans unless they're you're like the cream of the crop. Because only good guys bother flying out from Europe to America America to compete. Yeah. So like we we kind of only get to see the best Europeans. You know. Yeah. Yeah, now like the world's adult is uh, canceled, so uh, that's not gonna happen. Yeah, there's no worlds right now, as far as I know, and there's uh, the ADCC was postponed, but that's probably gonna end up canceled for all of 2021. Uh, at least it won't be in America, otherwise, I think. No, they should so. they should go go back and have it in Europe again. You know, it's uh, it's a good show. I've I've watched it. I watched it in 2017. I was there live. Watched it. It was, it was fun. Good matches. Have you like thought about competing at ADCC? Oh yeah, we're we're doing it. Uh, me, George, Couch, Alejandro. I might even teach Bird how to do heel hooks, and he'll do it. And yeah, there's there's just what do you have to lose by doing the trials? Really? Yeah. True. Break your fucking you leg. Know, like okay, I I get tapped out by Dante. Dante's still fucking awesome. I don't. I'm you know I'm not gonna be upset if I lose to my friend. Yeah. You know, like. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. ADCC is tough, man. So I was like doing the trials. Why not? You know, you got nothing to lose. So. Plus, I've, I've rolled with a lot of ADCC bets, and uh, I've definitely, like, most of the guys that I've rolled with that have been competed in ADCC, I, I can kind of just beat the fuck out of. So I think my odds are not terrible at doing okay. Like, I, I definitely am behind a little bit on the heel hook game. I don't like them, per se. Uh, my heel hook defense is decently strong, but then there's just guys that are so good at it that if they even get close to your heel, you're fucked. So it's like... Uh, yeah, we're 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 all planning on doing the ADCC trials and trying to all get a, all of us get in there. So, yeah, sounds like a sounds like a good plan. Because like, is it uh is it only Florida who hosts competitions now, right? In America, right? I I thought they were going to do three of them. I thought they were going to do a, a East Coast, West Coast, and a, a Midwest one. Honestly, yeah. Uh, but then, like I said, everything shut down at once. We were we all had the dates down in our head. We're like, okay, we're going to do the ADCC trials in December, and then uh, they they all canceled, and the, all of twenty twenty one is kind of looking fucked right now for jujitsu competition again. So we're just no, kind of up in the air, not really sure what's going on. Yeah, yeah, it kind of sucks, man. It's like. It is like that, but what can you do? You know, you just have to wait until this shit gets over, and uh, yeah. So yeah. Yeah, we're we're just kind of waiting it out. Plus, there's a vaccine now, so that's that's gonna help. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, then we can start living normal life again and like start training and stuff. So yeah, but yeah, now the situation fucking sucks for us too in Norway. We can't train, so it's like we we gone underground and have some like small groups. We're training with small groups now, so that works. That's that's how it is in a lot of America, even. Uh where we are in Mount Vernon, we're probably not supposed to be training, but if you like the way we, I'm looking at it, you know, it's like I'm, I'm training with all the guys that just live in the gym or live in the fight house. Anyways, yeah. Yeah. we don't go out and do stuff. I don't have friends outside the gym. I don't even know people that don't train really. <laughs> so yeah. it's not, plus I wear a mask if I go anywhere. Yeah. So it's like, okay, I, I'm at least minimizing the risk of exposing other people. Yeah. And I'm, I, I'm just, you know, okay, I'm accepting the risk for myself. If if someone gets coronavirus and comes in and trains, I'm just fucked, whatever. 
Yeah, that's fine. I, I, I made the decision to have an uncertain lifestyle when I decided to quit college and move in the gym. You know, like I already made the gamble. I can't turn back now. And plus, I've been moderately successful. So it's working out. Uh, so I, say, I don't feel too bad about training during a pandemic. Um, the jiu-jitsu community as a whole has been kind of weird about the pandemic itself. Like I've I, I think it's a pretty big deal. You know, like I just read, there were two hundred fifty new case, two hundred fifty thousand new cases in America in one day today. That's that's a lot, and we ha- we're like over three hundred thousand deaths, I think, and that's those are real statistics, and they're really important, and oh, they matter. Shit. And like a lot of the jiu-jitsu community is, I guess, kind of conservative, and they're saying shit on Reddit, like, oh, it's not a big deal, and uh, but then the stupid. other half of the jiu-jitsu community is like maybe over attacking like they saw pictures of gordon ryan still training and they're like oh he's a piece of shit yeah me i uh, see i don't think that's an accurate assessment i think uh, that's not fair to say either um uh, i just don't really like the lies where people try to because they want to still do what they're doing so they say that the coronavirus isn't a big deal because it makes them feel better about it and it paints it in a bit of picture of how they're doing their stuff still yeah but like no i'm like okay i'm, I'm gonna still train with the people I train with. And I think the coronavirus is a big deal that like you should acknowledge both. Yeah. Do you have like, uh, the States is red zone now, right? Uh, I think that like most of it's red zone. Honestly. Yeah. Hair is, uh, hair is green. You're good as a green green. Yeah. I'm assuming that's better. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's the best that you can get, you know, it's, uh, it's the best that you can get, you know, people still wearing like face masks and stuff at bus and when they go out, but it's like, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty good here now. It's, uh, we're getting there, you know, I think it's the only place in Norway where it's the green zone, I believe. So it's, um, it, it's that's, nice. That's good. I mean, uh, like I said, with the, once the vaccine becomes a little more available and it, it looks pretty good, honestly, from everything I've read about it, it looks very effective. That's going to make it things kind of like the pressure tailor off. Yeah. Yeah. When do you see when do you see yourself like uh traveling like abroad, you know, to like teach seminars in Europe and stuff like that or just visit other gyms or stuff like that? Do you see yourself doing so, that? Mo- most of my training trips have been because I get invited places. Like I I've been uh, especially I've had success at Brown and Black Belt now finally. Uh I've been starting to get invited to come do seminars in America at different gyms and and like I said I love teaching and I I feel like I have a pretty good system of what I do and I uh, I like to think I'm at least articulate enough to be able to teach effectively. Yeah. So like I, I, I'm definitely always down to go and teach at places and go to visit and train stuff. That's, I love to do that. Yeah. Um, it, you've probably heard from the, the flow grappling documentaries that I do have passport issues. I don't have a passport currently and I, it's something yeah, I'm yeah, working yeah. on. Yeah. 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 Uh, passively. It's just hard because like, uh, like at this point I actually don't know where my birth certificate is anymore. I'd have to reapply for that. So it's like I have to do extra steps that you can just apply, and I already know they're not going to accept the application if I don't put extra steps in. So it's just kind of a pain in the ass. Yeah. And like I said, I live in the gym. I don't have a genuine address, you know. So it's like I can't get a lot of the same things that normal people can with a house address, and I don't have proof proof of address in terms of like bills and stuff like that, which is what a lot of American systems need. They want to see your water bill, and I'm like, well, I don't have a water bill. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, So it just makes it harder. It's not undoable, but it is pain. And the benefits haven't seemed that worth it to put in the amount of effort, especially when me and Berg literally had no money, which we're doing a little better on money-wise. Like now that I am actually getting invited to teach places, we're starting to like have a hundred or two hundred dollars at a time. Whereas before, we'd feel fucking rich if we had that much money. Yeah. But uh, yeah, just it's a lot of extra steps. And like the ADCC has been in America. The worlds are in America. The pans, the nationals in America are big. Like, like all the fight to win stuff, all the who's number one stuff. It's like, it, it genuinely feels like most of the major jiu-jitsu stuff is in America. So it's like I'm not, I don't feel like I'm missing out too much on competition stuff. Uh, the Europeans, you have, you have the Europeans though. The Europeans are incredibly competitive and incredibly tough. Yeah, uh, that's the only thing I wish I could come out and do because I, I, I would have liked to win the Europeans as a blue belt, and then I could have grand slammed. That was the only thing I was really missing in the in the, your, uh, the Brazilians, but I beat all the Brazilian guys that won the Brazilians. So I was like, "Fuck! I wish I could have done that." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have you like competed at one of the Grand Slam events before? The, the, so the Grand Slam is like the the American Nationals, Brazilian Nationals, Europeans, Pans, and Worlds. No, 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 no. No, uh, the the UA Abu Dhabi Grand Slam. Oh, um, when when I was a, hmm, 
you took the UAE, the, yes. like the, the way they do the, the gi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, yeah. When, when I was a blue belt, I won the Abu Dhabi trials. And when I was a white belt, I won the Abu Dhabi trials. Oh, nice. And that's when I had all my passport issues come up. Uh, I beat Connor DeAngelis in the, at blue belt in my division finals and the open finals in yeah. the same day to win the, the trip. But I had already applied for my passport and they denied it after I won the trip. And then I, that's when I first ran into all these passport issues because I'm like, oh man, I'm going to go win the fucking 10 grand or whatever the fuck they were doing at the time for Blue Belt in Abu Dhabi. And then it just sucks because I I beat the guys that fucking won the. I had to like put a new recording on because we were like, we have been talking for like almost an hour now. So I had to put the recording I, I, up again. So, uh, but we're, I think we're, I talk a lot. No, no, <laughs> so no. Don't worry. Don't worry. Uh, but yeah, you, you fought against Connor and you beat him, right? Yeah, I've actually beaten Connor three times, I think. Yeah, have have did you fight did you fight him at brown belt too or just purple and uh, blue? Uh, blue and purple. I I lost to him one time by decision at the Nogi Worlds. Uh, it, it was a really boring match too. It was like nothing happened in the whole match, and then the ref uh. just kind of gave him the decision. Uh, neither of us did anything in the entire match, so it, it really could have gone either way. Yeah, uh, and the other three times I beat him, I just kind of beat the fuck out of him. Like I passed him, mounted him, and choked him and stuff. Oh shit. Um. He, he's awesome. I actually watch his YouTube videos sometimes. He shows like technique concepts that he's working on, and I've actually kind of stolen a couple of his shit too. Though he's yeah. he's also super cool to talk to. So yeah, maybe I try to get get him on next time too. Yeah, he's he's a pretty cool guy, man. Yeah, try try to get him on a podcast too. It would be awesome. He's got some good like techniques. I've been copying here some of his stuff too. You know, some of his stuff that he does. He's got like very good like open guard in the Lahiva sweeps. He, his sweeps are very good. Yeah, I, I like the passing stuff. Uh, like, I, I kind of took some, like, leg weave, daily Heva passing stuff and some, like, over-the-knee shin on shin stuff from him for passing-wise. And, yeah, he, he's just good. He, he tra- trains with technical people, and he's got a technical mindset. And I like people that have that kind of mindset because then I can actually use their stuff. And Yeah. Who's your favorite guy to watch, you know, at, the, like, uh, at, at, at um, Black Belt, you know? Like, past, so or, I, past or present? I, I've, I've really learned a lot watching Lucas Lepre. And, and and Marcelo Garcia. Oh, nice. Uh, I used to. I've watched probably two hundred hours of Marcelo Garcia footage to learn how to do like X guard and some of the arm drags that I do that everyone just like hates that I do. Uh, I stole from him. You know what I mean? Like uh, the, the fakes and the setups and it just his clean movements and his his reactions on stuff. It's so so good. You know, everyone should try to be more like. And Felice is so nice. Everyone should try to be a Marcelo Garcia in the sport and not like a. I was gonna say Gordon Ryan, but he just shouted me out in that video. Um, yeah. You know, like like a, <laughs> a Conor McGregor. No one wants to be. No one should be a Conor McGregor. They should be a Marcelo. Yeah, yeah. Um, Marcelo's Marcelo's like Lepre's technique is just so good that I like. I learned how to do a leg weave just watching his competition footage, and that's like upgraded my passing game a lot, and a, just a lot of the stuff he does. Yeah, he's he's good. Like for me, I I love to like uh, watch. Um, oh, what's his name? Lucas Leitch, I like, I, I love his Coyote half guard and stuff. I've been taking a lot of, uh, like, working on that a lot. So it's like, I, I think he's like, Coyote half guard has been, like, helping my half guard a lot because I'm a half guard dude. So uh, I'm actually glad you said him. I've, I've actually trained with him specifically a few times. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, my half guard stuff is modeled after his half guard stuff, too. Uh, not that I ever want to be in half guard, but if I am, you know, I, like, I actually swept Tonalda with half guard at the Purple Belt Pans in the semifinals with Lucas Leitch half guard stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, and Lucas Leitch was the first black belt world champion that I ever rolled with. And he just beat the fuck out of me when I was a blue belt. Yeah. And uh, it made me realize how different the pressure was between blue belts and black belt world champions. Uh, it's not even that the, the you know, his technique was obviously better, but his pressure everywhere was insane. I couldn't even get my feet on him. He'd just pop my feet off him every time in spider guard and shit. Yeah. And then I also trained with Marcelo Mafra. So every time I see Lucas, man, I always give him a, a little shout out. Uh, Every time I see myself, like, hi, man, but your shit still is saving my life to this day when I get in half guard, you know? Yeah. Like, he's also a super nice guy, him and Marcelo Mafra. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, his, his stuff is fucking legit, you know? I've uh, been working on that shit for, for a while now, his, uh, his half guard shit, because, like, uh, I love half guard. I'm, I'm a fucking, like, I'm, I'm like, a, ugh, I love half guard. I'm like a half guard. Uh, half guard's my fucking religion, man. I, I love it, you know? That's, a, my, that's my whole game. It's a rare breed of people. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I love it, you know, that, that's what I do. I can't, I can't do full guard, my leg is a bit fucked up, so I can't go do full guard. So so my first uh, my first uh, coach told me, you know, you can't do full guard, do half guard. So uh, after that, I stuck with that. And uh, yeah, so right now it's just like half guard, half guard, half guard all the time when I play guard. So 
I can't do open too, but it's like most mostly half guard. So it's like my there's just this tenacity of the half guard players. They're always trying to come up with you so aggressively that you can't just fuck. You can't let your pressure off on them for one second, or they're already like getting up on your hips and stuff. Yeah, so yeah. Like one of my least favorite styles to roll against is like a good half guard player. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it can be fucking annoying. <laughs> I've rolled with like guys who who like to play half court against me. I'm like fuck them, and now I know how it feels. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like fucking fun, but likes. Uh, but yeah, it, it's a lot of fun, you know. Like my one of my inspirations, like guys that I like to watch too, was Kurt Osiander. Like the move of the week has has helped me tremendously a lot with my half court and my uh, and my side control. Like I fucking love side control and chokes and gi chokes and all that. I love that shit. So his move of the week and his like half court sweeps have have helped my game a lot. You know, it's. It's amazing. See, I've never watched any of Kurt Ossipander's technique, but I've heard a lot of his quotes and I've watched him talk. And just the way his mentality of like, okay, how do I get out of the triangle? Oh, oh buddy, you fucked up a long time ago. <laughs> that preventative measure attitude, I, I've, I've taken it added to my game in a lot of places. Yeah, uh, yeah, he, he, he's a funny guy. I had him on a podcast, uh, I think, three times. He's funny as hell. He's, uh, he, his mentality is like very, very, he's very old school, but he's like super cool dude to talk to and his, his views on techniques and stuff like that. He's like very strict on the basics, you know, he, that's his thing. He's old school. So he's, he's a cool guy, you know, funny quotes, like you said. <laughs> I'm just glad they don't record me at seminars and shit more because man, I say some shit that, you know, it's like Kurt Ossiander style stuff, you know, <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> Yeah, we just don't want people putting that online. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. People can like uh, see it wrong or like, oh, you hurt my feelings, blah blah blah. You know, people are a little bit like too sensitive about stuff right now, so you can't say say much because people get uh, easily offended. You know. Yeah, me and Bird just say it. We're not too offensive, I think, but definitely are people that can get offended. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, uh, we've been talking like for a long time. We've been talking like for uh, over an hour now. So it's like, uh, for me, it's, if I'm good. Oh, no, no, I was wrong. If you're good, I'm good. That's what I was supposed to say. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, dude. I'm, like I said, I'm always down to talk. Uh, All right, cool. I think I talk too much, honestly. I, lo- I love it. Depending I, of the day. It's fun, you know. I think people will, will like this. I, ha- I had Alejandro uh, on before you. So uh, he was like super cool to talk to. Yeah, he seemed like he seemed like he'd be cool to hang out with. Yeah, yeah. Is is great, but I also had uh, I I also had like uh, who else guys? I had Liborio on. I had Ricardo Vieira on. I had JT Torres on. I had Alejandro, your teammate. I had him him on too. So Alejandro was like super cool to talk to, like super super awesome to to talk to Alejandro Weiner. Yeah, yeah, he's a super cool guy. Yeah, yeah, super nice guy. So he invited me down and it's like I, I told him like I want to come down and train with you guys and he was like, Yeah, come down, we can live at my house and like can do some a lot of barbecue and jujitsu and stuff like that. I'm like, Fuck yeah. I'm gonna come down and train with you guys when uh we have a super open door policy, you know, people come and stay in the on the mats or with some of the guys at their houses and stuff all the time. Any anyone's welcome anytime. Yeah, I'll de- definitely gonna take you up and take you guys up on that offer when the, the restriction and the, the vaccines getting there. I'm definitely gonna try and uh put that on my checklist for sure. <laughs> for sure, man. All right. Uh thank you so much, man. Hey, thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, no problem, no problem. Thank you. Bye. Hey, see you later. See you.